I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. friends. Welcome back to Thanks for Coming In. I'm your host, Jillian Clare. If it's your first time tuning in, welcome to the show. This is the show where I talk to actors and make them tell me hysterical and sad and interesting stories from their career. I've been on a break from the show for a little bit. I did a lot of interviews at the start so that I could just crank them all out. And now I'm back doing more, going to do the same thing. I thought that maybe times would be a change in a little bit, but it looks like we're kind of in the same spot, if not worse. So stay home, wear your mask, and um, yeah, just be kind to one another. It's a difficult time right now. I know everybody's going through it. But yeah, let's let's continue to stay home and wear our masks and save lives. It's pretty easy. Just wear a mask. You Do it. It's literally the easiest thing you can do. Today on the show, we have Wesley Taylor. You may know him from Indoor Boys, Smash, or maybe you saw him on Broadway in SpongeBob SquarePants as Plankton. We had a great time, and here's that conversation. And hello to Wesley. Hello. How are you today? It was like mid-sip of my water. <laughs> oh, I almost choked and died at the beginning of the interview. Oh. <clears throat> great, great. That's going to be the interview where I killed a Broadway star. Fantastic. Know, <laughs> oh no. How are you other than the water? You know, that question, that question, how are you lately has been tricky. It has. It's, um, <laughs> it's, it's been bad. <laughs> I mean, every, every day is a new adventure. 
an adventure within the four my, walls of the apartment. In my mind, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are you quarantined with anyone at least? Yeah, I'm, uh, my fiance, Isaac Powell, we're staying with his family in Greensboro, North Carolina. And this is where I've been since Broadway was shut down. And Westside was, you know, he was in West Side Story and I was in Assassin's mm-hmm. Off Broadway. And so both of our shows got shut down and, and we fled pretty immediately down here. It's pretty smart. It got really bad up there. Yeah. I, where are you? I'm in LA. So it's oh, it's nice. awful out here right now. <laughs> well, sure. But at least you have, you know, the sun. and Yeah, I have the sun and I have a, I have a backyard, which well, is I, nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's how I feel about, about North Carolina. I, I, there's a backyard here. There's lots of green. There's lots of space and air. And so it's better than... Than just the small apartment. Than the 500 square feet, yeah. Yeah, I know. I know some people out in New York who are going absolutely crazy. They were just like, why is this happening? Yeah. Why? Uh, (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, So take me back to the start of your career because you've had like a crazy, amazing Broadway career. But how did you get that bug? How did you get the acting bug? I don't know how I got the bug uh, to perform, to be in front of people at an early age mm-hmm. when I was a child. Uh, but it definitely bit me early. Um, <laughs> as, as early as I can remember, I, I wanted to be in front of people and, and make them laugh and, um, have their attention. So, so that's like sort of my earliest memories. Um, mm-hmm. my mom was a music teacher, so music was a part of our life and, and singing and piano lessons and that kind of stuff. So, so that, I mean, a song and dance kind of man, a presentational performance lifestyle was always the name of the game for me growing up. But then I wanted to be an actor in high school when, you know, I went to an arts high school and and, Mm. uh, I was just doing a lot of theater and school plays. And um, I think getting immersed in plays in high school, Shakespeare and 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 um, and falling in love with with text and and with being on stage as an actor um that's when that happened and then uh and then yeah I'd been in New York for the I went to drama school in North Carolina North Carolina I was gonna say you went did you so you went to college for it as well yes uh yeah uh we we at my arts high school we had um sort of northeastern college tour every year Mm -hmm. and you go and you see Juilliard and you know, North Carolina School of the Arts and SUNY and, yeah. you know, NYU and all those places. So, um, yeah. Um, and then after I graduated college, I moved to New York and that was <clears throat> 12 years ago. And, um, <laughs> and um, yeah. So you moved to New York and did you know anybody? Were you, were you well, I like immersed I, in it already? Or? Yeah, I mean, I, I had a, I, w- I would go to New York quite a bit um, since I was a, a kid. You know, our, mm-hmm. our family took trips to New York um, to, see, to see theater. And that was more because my, my parents actually met and fell in love in upstate New York, Nyack. Um, oh. And so they had ties here. They had connections, friends here that they wanted to visit. And then I, because I knew everything about Broadway, <laughs> at <an early> age, <laughs> I, I would like give my dad a a list of the, the plays that we needed to, to see. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's amazing. So like, he, he'd be like, how did you find out about like, who knew? And I was like, <laughs> we need to see Laura Linney and Liam Neeson in the crucible. And, you know, 
So uh, we were seeing theater in New York from an early from an early time, but I um also I, I knew people who had graduated from the School of the Arts and, and mm. alumni from, from my high school and from my college that were already in the city living and working. And so was that the goal then? Was New York like always in the back of your mind, like that's where I want to be? Always, yeah. Yeah. Wow. My that's good. sort of adolescent dream of success was live in New York City with a, with someone I love and be on Broadway. Like that was the only thing that I dreamed about. Um, wow. So of course, when all that came true earlier than I ever dreamed it would happen, <laughs> yeah. then I had to sort of make new dreams so that I wouldn't. Um, I was gonna say you you've made that happen already. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty amazing. When did you? So you get to New York, and then how long before Rock of Ages? Um, so Rock of Ages off Broadway was a few months after graduation. So wow. then it transferred um, about two months in we got the news that we were moving to Broadway. And so about six months after graduating from drama school, I was on Broadway. Um, which oh my is, God. Like, which, does that even happen? Well, you say no, but then the person I'm engaged to, it happened even faster too. <laughs> so Isaac, um, Isaac wow. was, was, was cast in once on this Island, like a month after graduating. That's just, that's so crazy to me. Like just being straight out of college and then like, boom, dream job. Yeah, it doesn't happen. It's, it's pretty rare and it doesn't come without its challenges too. Um, Yeah. But, but you can't really complain about it uh, (laughs) (laughs) to anyone in your life. Um, I mean, of course, Isaac had me, which was, you know, Mm. a, a benefit of dating someone who's, who's been through that before right I, I didn't have that so you just had to keep that all bottled up yeah, right <laughs> really feed into the performances um so after rock of ages what uh what did you do then well i was cast in the adams family before i left rock of ages okay um so it went it went pretty much right into adams family um and that was a, a longer experience and a and admittedly a more arduous experience um mm. Rock of Ages was just more like the thing that exceeded all of our expectations. Um, whereas the Adams family just kept disappointing, <laughs> but, um, oh, no. but it was a, it was a long process cause I was cast in the early development of it, the workshops. Yeah. And then, and then we went to Chicago and did the three month out of town tryout. And then we went in Broadway. So all in all, it was about two years of my life, but, um, wow. on, on Broadway for only a year. Um, I feel like people don't realize how long it takes to get a show on Broadway and like the many years, sometimes years that it takes to get it workshopped correctly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it rarely happens very fast. I mean, it, the, the norm is like five, six, seven, eight years, you know. So. Right. Right. So, okay, you do Adam's Family. And then is this when Smash comes about? Because I got to tell you, that was like my favorite show when it was on. I even went to the um, the Actors Fund performance with my mom Aww. out in New York. Yeah, it was I'm pretty, obsessed it was, with it. Yeah, it was, pretty, it was pretty soon after. It was pretty much on the heels of, of Adam's Family. I think I did a, a couple more like regional things. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think, oh, no, I, I, I moved to L.A., um, oh, and then two weeks later, I moved right back to do Smash. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you moved out here for two weeks, and then you got Smash? Yeah, that's so. I've 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 moved to Los Angeles twice now in my life, and mm-hmm. uh, and and have had to move back for jobs. Um, 
Uh, the first time, um, you know, I had just done tales of the city and I think little miss sunshine or something. And I was like, I, I think I felt like it was time to go West and, and try my luck. And, and then I was called in to tell Sue to, to put myself on tape for this new show called smash. And I didn't think much of it. I didn't put much eggs in my, in that basket. Um, because I was so mentally like in LA and I was already sort of mm. you know all packed up and put some stuff in storage and I was fully ready for this new life. And I was going in for calls, wow. like, but the days leading up to getting, going to the airport and moving to LA. And then oh I was God. in LA and they were putting me on hold for this part. Um, and then they released <laughs> me a week later and they were like, you know what we've decided, uh, it, you know, they cast Leslie Odom Jr. in this part. And they were like, but there's a smaller role um, that that we're now considering you for. Um, and so it was just this like whirlwind because I was released wow. and I didn't get it. And then the next day I was on hold again for Bobby. And then a week later, I was moving you, back to New York. You had to it. move back to New York. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> How was Smash? Because that show was so fun to watch, and I can only imagine how fun it was to make it. Yeah, it was. It was overwhelming because I hadn't, I didn't have much experience on television before that. Um, I was only in some commercials and a soap opera or something. So, so when I show up to this Steven Spielberg DreamWorks budget, and mm-hmm. you know, Angelica Houston and Deb Messing are walking around, and you know, it was, I was starstruck. I was, I was really. Yeah. Um, really grateful and excited and um but of course for any actor um when a job eventually becomes a job um inevitably you just like find things to complain about and be unhappy about mm-hmm. so it was only oh, yeah. a matter of time before I was like why is my part bigger why am I not doing it you know like, <laughs> but, but yeah the first few months the honeymoon was just magical and and I remember being so fascinated by all the moving parts and how they collaborated with each other and just being, just being so enamored by how a set works and Mm. how many hundreds of people have to be working in tandem for the same common goal. And, um, yeah, I, I I just fell in love with, with being on set. And, um, um, so it was, it was a pretty wild time of my life. Yeah. It's, it's cool. I, I wish that show would come back. I truly loved it. I thought it was just the most, inspiring show to watch as an actor well thanks um yeah i mean at the time it was a strange thing to be a part of because it was obviously very exciting and thrilling but we also at the time were sort of being hate watched like there was this culture (laughs) of people watching the show where they just sort of made fun of it and what just kind of shit on it the whole time so we were like gosh well it was just the sense that like this is so unrealistic like this would never happen or whatever like yeah it's tv like, yeah, it's TV. It's like it's supposed to be great. It's like all those TV shows that are like, yeah, we're going to add COVID to the storyline. I'm like, but why? We lived it. I want to yeah. escape from something. I want it to be fantastical. You know, a surgeon isn't going to watch Grey's Anatomy or ER and talk about how accurate it is. It's it's the right. show. So Actually, so, I definitely have seen videos of like a surgeon watching Grey's Anatomy and being like, this is completely wrong. <laughs> exactly. So I, I, it was just a, a crazy thing to be part of at the time. I, I definitely took it for granted or, or didn't really know what it was. I, at the time, we weren't being watched in great numbers. Like the first couple episodes were really watched, but but then it really, you know, there's a reason we were canceled. So I think right. that the interesting thing is is 
watching the legacy of the show and how people internationally have found it and how it's taken off as this cult favorite, you know, years and years after it's been off the air. Because it's only been off the air now for eight years, but it it's like everyone I mean the the (laughs) I still get stopped, (laughs) I still get, you know, recognized for Smash and it's just such a wild thing that we didn't quite know what it was at the time. It 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 totally is one of those like cult classics like in my mind um so you do smash which was amazing and then how long after until you decided i'm gonna make my own show with indoor boys well indoor boys is actually the third web series that i've put out um the first one was during the adams family um when i was going a little crazy doing (laughs) the eight shows a week you know after after the first few months previews and opening and all that fun stuff then Mm -hmm. it becomes a job and and I'm someone who gets pretty bored pretty easily and Mm. um I I like the structure of of a Broadway lifestyle but at the same time I need to be creatively stimulated and and I I had this little YouTube series called Billy Green and then after that I, I took it more seriously and I tried like a real narrative driven web series called mm-hmm. it could be worse um mm-hmm. at the, you know the budget sort of got a little bad i mean like <laughs> each each thing i did i put a little bit more time and effort and energy and money into and then mm-hmm. by the time i was by the time it could be worse I had a following um and that obviously was probably more because i was on broadway and and visible right. than it was right, right. i don't know if people were just organically finding it, but, but whatever, you know, what, however, they were gonna, yeah, however they were <laughs> going to travel across the content was, was irrelevant to me. I just wanted them to see it. And mm. they, they were, I was amassing sort of a, a following. And so as soon as that happened, I started crowdsourcing and, and, and raising money and trying to, to put more into the production of it all. And the second season of it could be worse was acquired by Hulu. Um, so wow. then as soon as I started making money, you know, as a writer, yeah. I was like, okay, maybe I should start taking this seriously. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Do you like science fiction? I'm Carrie Bechet, and if you loved movies like Arrival or Interstellar, then you're going to want to check out my podcast, Hypothetical. On Hypothetical, we tell speculative sci-fi stories interwoven with real science. New episodes every Tuesday, available wherever you get podcasts. And um, then it was like, okay, then I started writing pretty regularly and trying to create more and had a couple short plays published. And Indoor Boys was really sort of um indoor wars was was born from 
basically a short play that I wrote that I was trying to sell um, as a TV show in LA. And oh. I had sold a short form version of it as a digital concept. And we shot the pilot in LA and we were shopping it around to MTV and, and, and stuff. Um, and it just wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't happening. And, right. um, and I was getting frustrated with the, um, with the game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, as it, as it happens. Yeah. And, um, and whenever I'm creatively stifled or waiting around, I, I just, I, the, the thing that will solve it in terms of my stuck nature of, you know, the, the thing that I'll unlock, I guess, yeah. happiness and creativity is to, to just start something else. So I, I took um, this short play and I wrote like sort of a gay sequel to it because the short hmm. play was, was about um, three girls. And I wrote a gay sequel to it and I, I pitched it to Alex Wise, who was out in Los Angeles also shooting a soap opera. And I was like, do you want to shoot this as a standalone sketch and see if it's anything? <laughs> like see if it's worth like – exploring if we should like make it the pilot of a new web series or like maybe just have it a standalone sketch whatever and so one hot summer day in LA (laughs) shot this thing with our friend on camera and our friend on boom and it was just four of us in an apartment and finished it and we're like wait this is kind of cute this is funny and it feels like the beginning of a story so we just kept it up and um and then, yeah, and then each season got a little bit more real, and we raised money from investors. And <laughs> this last season, um, <laughs> <laughs> this last season has been out now for about eight months, and um, has gotten us all kinds of lovely awards. And yeah, I mean, an Emmy nomination for Vianne Cox, who plays my mother in the series, and has just been nominated for a supporting actress Emmy. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's nuts. And and we're thrilled for her. I mean, the show is great. I I love it. I think you and Alex are like really incredible in it. Thank you. It's a it's a good show. You guys should watch it. Whoever's listening to this, watch Indoor Boys. And also, we just moved all our content to YouTube as well. So you can catch it on YouTube. Um, There you go. Indoor Boys. Come on, kids on YouTube. Go watch the show. Um, all all enjoy the show i will say we've gotten many a a flattering review from elderly gay men oh yeah a whole new demographic oh yeah um so then okay so you do indoor boys you're out in la and then what happened like when does spongebob come into this because that's huge and the second season of indoor boys is in new york (laughs) 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 because uh because yeah, we we were. I had just I had just leased a new car like months prior. <laughs> I was just you have really, bad luck with moving. Yeah, yeah, truly, I was just starting to really feel like an Angelino and like getting really <laughs> acclimated with with my apartment in the valley. And and then I just got a call, and and it was you know Tina Landau being like, hey, <laughs> wow. Um, and it, and I didn't have the part yet. It was basically like they were doing a final reading. Um, before Broadway, you know, they had, they had done this mm-hmm. out of town in Chicago and without me with, with Nick Blamire as Plankton mm-hmm. and uh, they, they, Nick decided not to move forward with the piece and they were doing this final workshop and she asked if I would participate in the workshop. Um, <laughs> it wasn't wow. an offer for the Broadway show. 
Um, but with the understanding that if I showed well, that it would mean, you know, it would right. mean that. Um, so it was basically like a week long audition in which, oh my gosh. I, yeah, in which everyone else had their offer for Broadway and they were all like looking at me in the room like, good luck, you know. Um, but I flew to New York just for that week and did this reading and, um, and then I flew back to LA and as soon as I landed, I got the call saying that I got the part and then oh I had to move back to New York. I think whenever you want something really bad, you should just fly to LA and then you'll get it. You have to really commit. You know, you have to really believe that you're moving, not, not do it for the job, but do it like really believing that you're going to start a new life. I'm going to try that next time. Yeah, maybe you should. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And how long were you doing Plankton? Um, A year. Wow. I think we were on Broadway for just, yeah, shy of a year. That's a good run. Yeah. Well, we would have run longer, but the, we, yeah. you know, we got kicked out by the development deal, the, the renovation plan oh, that the city council fun. approved of. So it wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, genuinely we were making, we were, we were breaking a million every week at the box office. So it wasn't going to close based on, on ticket sales. sales yeah. Um, it was really a matter of, you know, this renovation that was planned for the palace for, for, this sort of underground mall situation, extenuation mm-hmm. of the underground Rockefeller Center thing. And that mm. was going to push the theater up and they were going to like raise the actual theater from its what? basement. I don't really understand it, but it's been- How is that possible? But it's been, it's been sort of in the works for like five years or something. And I think they just somehow got approval from city council, like just at the wrong, you know, for us, yeah. just at the wrong time. And- so every, you That's know, a bummer. yeah, I mean, American in Paris and Annie and like a lot of shows that were pre us mm-hmm. came into the theater with the knowledge that they might get shut down, but wow. people were just continually taking that chance and then fine. And we took the chance as well. And so then finally they were like, you have eight weeks to get out. Oh my God. And so then suddenly we were closing and there were, there was no other real estate available to us at the time. Um, there was no other Broadway house that was empty for us mm-hmm. to move into. So it was just sort of a tragic thing. Yeah. I mean, you guys have spent all this time working on this wonderful show and yeah. you could go for so much longer and then boom, it's like rug pulled out from I under you. We had like about 10 months of an actual run um, wow. after previews. So, um, well, yeah. maybe it'll come back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I can see it finally. Yeah. Well, you um, saw it on Amazon. Oh, it's on Amazon? It's $10 to download oh, on Amazon. Heck yeah. I'm so going to do that tonight. That wasn't, uh, that was shot last fall um, in England. Um, oh, wow. They, they, they got the whole cast together again, um, the original cast, with the exception mm. of a couple people who couldn't, who couldn't do it. Uh, and they replaced them. But, but for the most part, it's the entire original cast. They flew us all to England. We shot it what? in the theater out in Plymouth, England. Yeah, and, Plymouth, uh, England. And they they aired it on Nickelodeon in December. And that's so uh, cool. Download it on Amazon. Okay, I'm definitely doing that tonight. <laughs> yeah, everyone should. Um, okay, so the whole point of the show is that I like to make actors tell me stories about when they got their hearts broken. Uh, yeah. <laughs> do you have any stories like that? 
Yeah, I think I misunderstood because I thought that it was like audition or stage mishaps or like falls and accidents and things like that. I've it definitely- could also be that. Okay, well, I've, I've got plenty of those stories. But I also, um, you know, now that you worded it this way, like heartaches and stuff, I've definitely been, I mean, yeah, I've been in the business long enough to be replaced and fired and mm-hmm. all the things. Um, I was in, I did a lot of development on this show called A Minister's Wife. That was, um, it was basically a musical interpretation of Candida, uh, George Bernard Shaw's play. And mm. um, it was at Lincoln Center. And I really loved the part and I really Mm. loved the play. And I was um, the only one in the cast that was replaced from that. Um, Oh, no. (laughs) uh, 22. So that one was the first taste of of that game. Um, I was replaced from American Psycho after about a year of development on that. I did a four-week lab um, in which – you know, the creative team told me I was irreplaceable. Of course they um, did. And then I was replaced. Of course. Um, <laughs> I was replaced after two years of development on Nerds, um, which we all know didn't end up seeing the Broadway lights. But I was going to say, what even is that? <laughs> Nerds was a was a show that was developed for about 10 years and it was related to, to move to Broadway. And then Right before they moved into the house to tech, um, mm-hmm. the investors pulled out some key funding and the show never never made it to Broadway. But I had right of first refusal. <laughs> I had, yeah, I was going to say, so you love the show. Yeah, I had so much protection in the development of the show and I was like Bill Gates for so much of that development. And then, oh my um, gosh. And then they replaced me. Um, wow. Uh, they told me they needed a celebrity um, and then they replaced me um, with Rory O'Malley, which I mean, he's oh a theater celeb, I guess. But it was just like my my friends, Rory. You know, like my yeah. Um, but he's, but like you said, he's like a theater celeb. It's not like yeah, when they yeah. bring but in like Rory, Jake Gyllenhaal. No, like Rory and I have discussed this at length. Like he had mm. a pod- showbiz podcast, and we've actually talked about our nerds' experience. Um, <laughs> before but i've had plenty of these moments you know it's it's yeah. very it's it's very much par for the course if you're going to be an actor then you're going to have to deal with these moments and they yeah. suck um especially i mean it just sucks to have your show closed it sucks to be you know i was a week and a half into assassins and coronavirus shut me down you know like right. it, it, there is constant disappointments in this business and um i think maybe more of a fun story to share is it a mishap for you. Oh, okay. Um, Give me a mishap. Let me, let me okay. So <laughs> one time in SpongeBob, I am supposed to um, march down the center aisle of the house um, with mm-hmm. these big metal symbols um, <laughs> that I'm, <laughs> that I, as Plankton, am sort of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm crashing these symbols. And, uh-huh. um, and I'm marching wildly down the aisle, and and one night the grip on my left symbol comes loose, and oh, no. I watch this big heavy metal symbol fly up into the air <laughs> in what looks to me like slow motion, and come down and land on the face of like a 14 year old girl, <laughs> and like split her face open, like blood. Oh my god! Like, she got, like totally assaulted by the symbol she 
immediately, you know, I see it in slow motion. I'm like paralyzed. I'm right. like, you have several <laughs> options right now. Like, do you, <laughs> do you continue on stage and act like that didn't happen? Do you oh, run God. and find like security or like, yeah, like what is her? the option right then? <laughs> so what I decided to do, I mean, like I just like obviously dropped character and ran right up to her and I was like, are you okay? Do you need me to get someone? What, you know? And she yeah. was like, holding her face in her hands crying and she was like oh, I'm okay I'm okay and <laughs> I just like went back on stage in like terror and I looked <laughs> over my shoulder and her whole family is like getting up and walking out of the aisle oh no walking up and out of the house and so I'm terrified I think that you know I'm gonna get fired Nickelodeon's gonna get sued right. like it's gonna be this big thing and, uh, you know, I just burst into tears afterwards. Oh, I was no. so, like traumatized by like killing this girl. Like I almost <laughs> this teenager. And, um, and then afterwards, you know, company management told me that I think house managers had like copped their tickets and gave them lots oh, of wow. merchandise and like, you know, tried to appease them as best as possible. And they were right. really good sports, but it's a really scary time. I tried to reach out to the girl, but they wouldn't let me for liability reasons or whatnot. But that makes sense. It was just a just kind of traumatizing night for me. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I can only imagine. The scene, Ethan Slater's eyes widened in terror when I mean, everyone was just like, "What just happened?" Oh my god! I just I can't even imagine something like that happening in the middle of a yeah. performance. Well, yeah. Oh, God, that poor girl. When you do something long enough, I mean, there's always going to be the flubbed lines and the blanks and the yeah. falls and things, which are always funny and uh, are more funny the longer you've been doing the show. Yeah. Um, because it just brings joy whenever the sort of machine interrupts. Breaks it. down, yeah. yeah. <sighs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm well, so happy that I got to talk to you. Yeah, thanks. Um, what is your social media? Where can people find you? Um, I'm on Instagram as Sir West Tay Tay. Um, <laughs> and I'm on Twitter as West Tay Tay. So West Tay Tay on Twitter and Sir West Tay Tay on Instagram. Because Instagram like demands respect. Yeah. 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 I like the Sir West Tay Tay. I think that's better. Um, what's next? Are you going to like, what's, what's going on after quarantine? Yeah, what do you think you're going to do? Um, I, this week I'm, I start work on a, on the two princes podcast, which is for Gimlet. It's a, a queer, a queer young adult, um, period scripted musical podcast. Fun. Um, yeah. So right now it stars Noah Galvin and Ariel Statchel and has lots of fun people like, Samira Wiley and Cynthia Revo and Christine Baranski and lots of wow. Derek and lots of fun, fun, some fun people on the show. So I play a new prince uh, named Prince Darling. Uh, oh, start work on that later this week. And uh, Alex and I write every day. I mean, we we just pumped out a uh, a new play. So we're sort of um, we've been doing some virtual readings and 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 working on that. Um, but yeah, for the most part, Isaac and I are just uh, taking our cue based on, you know, which show comes back first. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, if they do come back, um, you know, we just got a new puppy. So we're, we're it's a little, Aww. yeah, it's a little, I mean, thank God we've had this puppy to 
to take some of our attention away totally, from totally. the world burning down. But um, at the same time, it does make things a little challenging in terms of, um, you know, where to live now mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, we, our, our lease, our lease is up next week, next oh, month wow. in, in, in New York. And so we're like, do we head West until we find out what's happening with our shows? Do we, do I we mean, you know that if you do that, they're going to come back next week. Exactly. <laughs> so maybe we should do that. Yeah, maybe you should. <laughs> we're just trying to take it day by day and 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 we we have these like large life conversations every day but it's really mm-hmm. your guess is as good as ours <laughs> yep <laughs> it's true yeah. so. oh goodness all right well thank you so much wesley it's thank so nice to talk to you yeah um, <laughs> all right with everything you too all right Thanks again to Wesley for coming on the show. Tune in next week when I talk to Naomi Grossman from American Horror Story. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to it now. You can also follow us on social media and uh, tell your friends, tell your dog, tell your your cat, your goat. If you have a goat, please send that goat to me because I would love to see it. Not physically send it to me, but please send me pictures because I love goats. And as always, thanks for coming in. Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But Wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to Season 1, we are thrilled to announce the launch of Season 2. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you. And let's make Season 2 even more memorable together.